The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Oh, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the program. This is Good Morning New York, and I am your host, Vince Rocco. We are coming to you live, as usual, from Blastoff Productions here in New York City. I'm saying hello to everyone around the world and here in the United States who listen. So the best time to visit New York is anytime. Each season in Gotham offers visitors plenty of reason to visit. Early fall offers crisp breezes, bright sun, and comfortable temperatures, while late fall and winter make merry uh, with the Macy's Day Parade and holiday decorations. Deep winter, January and February, is cold, but also means better hotel rates. Spring is glorious, and New Yorkers celebrate the thaw by taking to the streets, shopping at outdoor markets, walking in Central Park, and dining outside. Summer is hot, but hey, there are so many outdoor places to sit and hang. This, of course, is New York. Get your best sunglasses and summer drinks at the ready, because summer in New York is here again. It has begun, although not officially, but the weather has completely warmed up since it has been uh, kind of a, a crazy weather year. Start planning, though, for the months ahead with things to do in New York City this summer, including the coolest summer concerts, things to do on New York City rooftops, art exhibitions, uh, and more. However, many New Yorkers take to the beaches of New Jersey, the Hamptons, Cape Cod, and camp out for the season. But why not Rhode Island? Why not mix it up a little bit and do the New England thing? Rhode Island, although not an island by definition, is home to a few uh, islands that can make your summer uh, memorable. Hop a ferry and head over to Block Island for a real summer experience. I love Block Island. There is definitely a carefree vibe that permeates Block Island. You could also cross a bridge to Jamestown where you will get a real local feel. There is not a chain business to be found there. You will be able to eat and shop at some incredible local stores and restaurants. Head over another bridge and you'll find your way to Newport, arguably one of Rhode Island's biggest draws. Great food, sailing, activities, historical locations, concerts, and so much more can be found all season long in Newport. By boat, you can also explore a number of uh, the other islands. For example, Rhode Island, um, Prudence Island, Hog Island, Goat Island, Dutch Island, and perhaps your own undiscovered island. Goat Island? I think I've heard of that before. Interesting. We'll talk about that. With me today are two real estate agents from Providence, Rhode Island, and we are going to get an update on their local market and ask for tips for great summer places to rent and head to the beach. Court Facto and John Laurie are both real estate agents with Lila Delman Real Estate International, specializing in luxury and unique homes in the greater Providence area. Lila Delman has six offices around the state, including Newport and Jamestown, as we mentioned before. Uh, both of these guys are lifelong Rhode Islanders, and welcome and good morning, and thank you for joining the program today. Thank you. 
Thank you, Vince, for having us on the show. So let me let me ask a little bit, you know, for our listeners around the world, this is a global show around the world, what is um, the Providence I read just recently is like in the top 10 markets to watch in 2016. What's going on in Providence? I mean, we're off... Off air, we were talking this morning about uh, how, <clears throat> excuse me, how busy and hectic it is this year. But what's going on in Providence that it's the in the top ten markets to watch for 2016? Well, Vince, there are a few things. Uh, number one, I think we're seeing a big spillover from the Boston market. Uh, people are getting priced out of Boston, raising rents. Uh, we're only a 40-minute train ride from Boston, so it's very convenient. Um, I, I just think I think buyers are they're confident right now. They're making money. You know, they want to go out. They want to go buy. You know, they want to go buy property. So listen. So I could work in downtown Boston, and I can live in Providence. It's, you know, I'm not. Uh, I didn't realize it was that close by a train ride. So it's that, forty minutes. Yeah. So that's actually easier than people who commute from Westchester County here in mm-hmm. New York into the city. That can be thirty minutes. It can be you know an hour. It can be you know whatever. So sure. that's pretty interesting, actually. My partner and I just sold an apartment here in Midtown West. Uh, good clients of ours. And they are moving to Providence. Uh, they lived here in Midtown West for years. They're moving to Providence. They've re- they're retiring. And they're also um, buying a summer home on Cape Cod. So I guess, you know, Providence to Cape Cod is not that far either. So I'm kind of jealous. About an hour. It's an hour? Yeah, about an hour. That's not bad. I, I, I mean, listen, you know, to me, living by the water and living on the beach is wonderful. What, what is, what's, what's with the name uh, Renaissance City? Providence can be known uh, as the Renaissance City. I mean, all of these cities around our country have different names, but what does that really mean to Rhode Islanders? So there's so much culture in Providence. Uh, we're surrounded, actually, both of our neighbors, uh, one of our biggest neighbors is Brown University, uh, Rhode Island School of Design. There's so much culture um, in art in the area. Um, there are six college campuses in right in Providence? Yes. That's in what Providence. I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. And Brown, of course, being one of them. Um, current sales activity. Let's talk about the market, you know, as it is, you know, today in town. We're seeing, you're telling me that you're seeing uh, sales increasing as a whole uh, with year-over-year growth around 10% in the state. What's what's starting? What, what's causing that? Here in New York City, for example, we've slowed down a bit. We're in sort of a transitional market. Uh, hoping to be picking up, you know, relatively soon. But what's going on up there? Well, I think we have a total lack of inventory, and that's fueling higher prices. It's fueling fewer days on market, and it's fueling buyers being a little crazy. When you say lack of inventory, because we have the same situation here in New York, by how much? I mean, how much? What what, what is the percentage that you're down year over year in inventory? I mean, we're we're down significantly, but also, as I said before, we're sort of in transition. So the buyers out there aren't as robust as they had been about a year ago. Mm -hmm. So our inventory is kind of mapping to that at the moment. But up there, how much inventory are you really lacking? I'd say we're about 30% off. 30%. -hmm. Now, the reason why people aren't selling, any particular reason? Don't know. Anticipating higher prices, perhaps. Are they are they kind of taking a look and see what the what the market's doing here in New York? I think people are sort of priced out of their next, you know, climb up as I call it. You mm-hmm. know, one bedrooms to two bedrooms, two bedrooms to three bedrooms. You know, they want that three bedroom or they want that two bedroom, but they don't know if they can afford it based on current pricing here in the city. And also because the market's a little questionable right now, they're not so sure they're going to be able to sell what right. they currently have to move into the next. Mm-hmm. What is the buyer profile like in in Providence? I mean, is it mostly locals? Do you have investors coming from other countries, uh, other states? Is it big summer vacation 
purchases or is it mostly people who live there and who are lifelong uh, Rhode Islanders like you guys? It's really a mix of everything. You get college students from all over the world. Uh, we've seen an uptick in investors come in from Boston, um, buying up multifamily units in Providence. Um, a lot of young professionals working in Boston, as you said, commuting you know, every day on the train. Let me ask you something. You, you said something to me um, in some notes back and forth last week that the consumer confidence is an all-time high in Rhode Island as the jobless claim continues to fall. So jobs are picking up and getting better up in, in your region of the world. And so that's fueling the confidence in purchasing real estate. That combined with the mortgage rates still being at an all-time low, um, those two together, it, consumer confidence is at an all-time high right now. Everybody wants to go out. They want to go, they want to go buy a condo. Um, our last two showings, we had clients come in from New York, mm-hmm. from Brooklyn. They lived in Brooklyn. They, think, you know, they were thinking about relocating from Providence. Uh, we showed them a great loft. Three bedrooms, $350,000. And they're like, wow, you, you, know, you get all this for $350,000? And yeah, you do. I was just going to say, wow, $350,000. Yeah. We're, right we're totally undervalued it's, based yeah. on other areas. Well, you know, and I can sit here and say as a New Yorker and as a professional real estate you know, person in New York, we are so off the charts with our pricing. So when I hear something like a loft and three, three bedrooms, and what is the square footage? Oh, 2,000 square feet. 2,000 square feet for $350,000. Indoor parking. Can I buy it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indoor parking. Yes. There you go. Two garage spaces. Yeah. And there's plenty of room for my jet. So you also say that single family homes are up 23.2%. And right now you're in a balanced market. So, you know, again, I, I, I look at my market here in New York City and, you know, I keep my fingers crossed, you know, that things start to get a little busier uh, than it has been. And I'm seeing signs that it will. But, um, you know, in a balanced market, I guess, you know, it's always either up here very high or sort of very down. We don't really have too much of a balanced market in New York City. So I wanted to sort of understand from your perspective what you mean by that. We, I, I pray for balanced markets, and I think that would be the ideal. But wait, I don't know that we've ever experienced that here in New York. I don't think that we're balanced. Um, I think that, as I said earlier, we have a total lack of inventory even the properties that have been sitting on the market for six months, nine months, a year, we're seeing those go under contract because there's nothing else on the market. Right. And anything that's fresh that comes on the market is going. It, we do an open house on a fresh condo. We have 19, 20, 25 people come through the open house in two hours. Is that right? Is that cons- pretty consistent? Yeah, it has been. All right, let's talk about let's talk about summer vacations. So obviously as part of New England, you've got a lot of ocean, you've got a lot of water, you've got a lot of fun neat summer things to do. Let's talk about Jamestown, let's talk about Newport. Mm-hmm. Why have those areas consistently continued to be like hot spots in Rhode Island for people really all over the country to to migrate to in the in the wonderful summer weather? What is it about those two towns? I happen to love them personally. I mean, Newport has some of the finest beaches in the country. Um, you take a walk down to Thames Street, um, you, you know, you have the great restaurants, great Thames shops, uh, people from all around the world. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a great, you know, it's a great environment. Um, you're right on the water. Culture. A lot of culture. You know, you can go right over the, uh, right over the bridge. Music the, festival. Music festival, the do, Newport Boat Show. I yeah. was just going to say the music festival, the, they do a jazz festival up there they as do. well. Yes. And they still do those mansion tours the, on. The mansion uh, tours, the classical music series at the mansions. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, the whole summer is filled with 
great things to do. How much does the population swell in the summer months in those areas? Because obviously they're year-round places, just like the Hamptons here in New York have become. You know, I remember years ago when the Hamptons was basically just a seasonal place to be. And in the wintertime, it emptied out and most of the restaurants were closed and most of the stores were closed and only a few uh, would, would remain open for the locals out there. But now, over the last, I'd say probably since 9-11, you know, 10, 15 years, it's become an all-season place. Mm-hmm as has Newport and Jamestown. So, you know, how, but how much does it swell in the summer months? I mean, does it double the population? Oh, I think Newport at least doubles. At least doubles the population. Because that's always been my impression every time I've been to Newport in particular. It's kind of like, wow, these people can't possibly all be here. No, they can't be. All year long. Jamestown's uh, a little more sleepy. Jamestown's sleepy. Um, it, it's right over the bridge. It's quiet. You have most of the locals, you know, lifelong locals there. Uh, I like the summer in Jamestown. I like that it's quiet. Uh, great places to eat. Um, it, you know, we get out of the hustle and bustle in the city. What about Block Island? Block Island, one of my favorite places. I haven't been in probably 15 years, but mm-hmm. love, love, love Block Island. That's also, I think, a little sleepy. I That's mean, it's very like, sleepy. Yeah, it's very quiet, <laughs> very remote, kind of off the beaten path. And but but you know what? You feel like I, I used to always tease friends and say, I feel like I'm going to Gilligan's Island because there's really yes. not much there. But because if James if Jamestown is sleepy, Block Island is like. Totally Fast asleep. asleep. <laughs> Fast asleep. Yeah, but you know, uh, that's also a very nice uh, place to be. I happen to be a New England person. I love, I mean, I'm from New York, but I like New England. We grew up, you know, as a family going to Maine, you know, and, and mm-hmm. to all these Cape Cod, you know, beaches and towns, whatever. And, and Rhode Island has always been one of my favorite places as well. Um, court. Facto, John Laurie, thank you so much for being with us today. We have to move on to our next segment, but come back and talk to us again. Good luck on the Rhode Island Marketplace, and we will be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back, and we have our panel here, Peru Brombat from Compass, Rachel Altshuler from Douglas Elliman, uh, Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, and Matthew Cohen from Core Real Who's Estate. Who's going Good through early morning. menopause, apparently. <laughs> so hot. Are you warm? <laughs> it's a little hot It's in warm here. in here, yeah. 
Well, I will have to. <laughs> you're wearing your track jacket. I don't. Maybe you're used to sweating. I don't know. But you know, because I'm just been rushing all morning. Working so out I'm, and a radio show all in mm-hmm. one that really works well. He's got pedals underneath the table. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm rushing this morning from first thing this morning, and I'm running in the building and you know uh, check in my office before the show, and completely forgot to take the, the jacket off. And then I, I, I'm dying for another cup of coffee because one is just not enough. Tuesday mornings, I need a lot more. But Matt, because you're definitely kinda, not talking fast enough. No, no, not at not all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> but but Matt came in early this morning, so we were just joking because when you first walk into the studio, sorry guys, the smell of marijuana from the recording the night before oh, yeah. is just off the charts, yeah. and today was like completely off the charts. So. I just always picture like a Biggie video, like a Biggie style video, and then we come in and we're all like professional. I think we we need to do one of those. (laughs) We are in a full, we are in a full fledged, you know, music recording studio. So they converted every Tuesday morning for this radio show, which I love, and I thank them for it. But wow, was it an eye opener when you first walk in in the morning? (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, let's talk about Harlem. Harlem's first Whole Foods is nearly ready to welcome its first customers. The facade work is almost done, but the grocery chain has yet to announce an opening date for the store, which is located at the corner of West 125th Street and Malcolm X Boulevard. Whole Foods is just one of the several tenants located in this six-story commercial building. Other tenants in the building include Burlington Coat Factory, Nordstrom Rack, Olive Garden, and TD Bank. All right, so let's talk about the growth in Harlem and how do these marquee stores really continue the the evolution of neighborhoods like Harlem and and wherever. Whole Foods, why does that make a big deal? Well, I think Whole Foods is definitely a welcome addition because I think that, you know, I mean, if you look at just health patterns, right, there's like, if you, I mean, California was probably the first state to really sort of become very organic and eat greens and and, and really sort of push like a healthier bill. And New York has sort of started catching up for that sort of trend to move to Harlem is just, I think, really positive in the sense of like it just attests to, you know, an ever-growing healthier lifestyle in this country. <clears throat> Middle America, I think, you know, is slower on catching on to that. But I grew up in York, Pennsylvania, and I am seeing the same patterns happening there. So I think that that's definitely very welcome. I'm not sure if I'm the biggest fan of Olive Garden, but hey, kudos. I, you're reading my <laughs> mind because I was just going to say out of all of that list of wonderful stores, Olive Garden, I can, we can probably leave that one off the rack. I mean. Right. Especially given this is New York City and there's amazing Italian food in Harlem, actually. Yeah. So, but you know. There's room for everybody, I suppose. I guess so, and and Nordstrom Rack. But you know, my question is really that you know Whole Foods. You know, when they when they scout out neighborhoods, <clears throat> and they look at demographics, and they look at you know who's going to be shopping, whatever. What do they see in in and they don't specify? Oh, well, they do. 125th Street and Malcolm X Boulevard. So that's obviously a progressive neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So do they really think they're going to do? Bang up business? Yeah, I think they see a changing demographic. They see more income coming in. I remember. Maybe 10 to 15 years ago when Whole Foods went into Columbus Circle area. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And if you remember, that area really was not what it is right now. And that really helped to revolutionize that neighborhood and anchor it. And there was, um, I guess, the same with, if you guys know the Whole Foods on, was it 98th Street, Columbus? Columbus, Mm -hmm. Columbus, yeah. Same thing. That neighborhood has really transformed. Uh, Even the one on 2nd and 2nd. Yeah. So what used to be the Starbucks, right? Like if a Starbucks Mm -hmm. opens in your neighborhood, you know it's getting like, to become a little more expensive or you know, what you I know think? Or, or restaurants are moving in or it's becoming more maybe gentrified but not necessarily the right word because mm-hmm. it just means that there's more 
things happening oh, in the neighborhood. I was going to. I think now Whole Whole Foods has become sort of that. I was gonna, that um, on that point, I just wanted to say that it seems to me like the Starbucks is still sort of that thing, except that it happens much earlier on. Like the Starbucks will get there a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. And then when the Whole Foods gets there, it's kind of like the next level. Of, mm-hmm. In Harlem, there yeah. is a Starbucks right across mm-hmm. the street right. from the Whole Foods on yep. right. the 25th of Monarch. Yep. So, right. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but also, not only does Whole Foods know where to go, they target such a specific spot. Mm-hmm. They, they have so much equity as a company that I think that they can just afford very expensive real estate and very expensive rent. Mm-hmm. So Columbus Circle is obviously not cheap. And well, when you overcharge for grapes, there. you can do that. Well, <laughs> when it's you know, $18 a pound, you can do that. Just grapes? You know? I can't <laughs> afford Whole Foods. Come on. I look at some of the things in Whole Foods. That's why I asked the question because I, yeah. you know, I sometimes breeze through it and I love the store, but I look at some of the pricing in the store and I think, oh, okay. You know. TJ's <laughs> is my, Case is my in point. I, I think love TJ's. Trader well, Joe's. Yeah. 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 I, I hit the hot bar, the cold bar, and the prepared foods and I'm out of there. And that's forty-seven dollars. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and the Whole Foods in Columbus Circle does most of their business during lunchtime. Yeah. For everyone working in that area. Yeah. So I think it's not full <laughs> grocery shopping. I think it's more of the niche. Mm-hmm. Well, this is interesting because we talked about how people spend their housing and income. I think what sixty percent of their income on housing. Mm-hmm. Let's just incorporate lunch in there. Whatever, and people spend twelve to eighteen dollars on lunch. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, it's expensive. They will go to Whole Foods to the hot and cold bar and yeah. get like just a little bit of stuff for twenty bucks. Well, I said it's it's just really amazing how how you know we we survive sometimes. I go to my local bodega on the corner of you know Broadway and Ninety Third oh. Street. And I never walk out, I know, and I never walk out. I mean, the other day, three items in the bag, $22. And I'm thinking, yeah. Who can afford I could have this? gone out to right. dinner how do you, for $22. How do you feed a family? I, it's crazy. I, you know, I don't even know. Anyway, moving from Harlem to Brooklyn, Brooklyn has become a brand of global prominence until quite recently a second-class borough to Manhattan and or a stepping stone from which one would upgrade to the suburbs. Brooklyn is now a destination in its own right and internationally known. I love this. Oakland is the Brooklyn of the Bay Area. Parisians come to New York City on vacation and head straight to Williamsburg, for example. The desirability of the borough combined with the power of its image and brand have had a huge impact on the real estate landscape. Sales prices of homes in the borough have steadily risen over the past few years, both in price per square foot and absolute terms. I remember in my day, it was fashionable to leave Brooklyn and head to the city. Remember the movie Saturday Night Fever? Okay, the whole theme of that was get out of Brooklyn and get on to the big old city. Upgrade to Manhattan, right? Upgrade to Manhattan. I've watched Right. I know it very well, and so, it does yes, not. It does not. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I haven't seen much of it. So, yeah. yes. I do agree with you, though, because whenever I go to Williamsburg and Greenpoint and look at the views from Brooklyn mm-hmm. going back to Manhattan, Long Island City's views are much better. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. So, you know, spanning the agile. whole island. But, you know, here's the big thing, though. Um, I think it, what's important from a real estate conversation is what is happening with Williamsburg and the L train. Mm-hmm. Uh, lately, open houses in Williamsburg have been kind of destitute yeah. because of the fact that buyers are getting into a very much a wait and see mode uh, because I think any savvy buyer recognizes that there may be some discounts to be had once that L train stops running. I disagree running. because, well, I have two listings there, so I can tell mm-hmm. you real-time information. Um, it, if it's a special property, if it's a unique property, if it's a water-facing property, if it's a large property, those will not suffer. Right. What are suffering are the investment properties, the studios and the one bedrooms, mm-hmm. without a tax abatement, 
without views. Those are the ones. I mean, I, I do share Peru's concerns with the with the L train, you know, mm-hmm. shutdown at some point. But mm-hmm. then you have to look at Dumbo. Dumbo really does not have transportation. And as you said, Rachel, some of those beautiful properties, looking at the water, facing the water, you know, that's never going to go with away. With the ferry, you can use the ferry. You can use you the, can, or you could walk train. a little bit of a different distance rather to get to the trains. But it's yep. not as convenient as currently Williamsburg with the L train or other points of Brooklyn where the, you know the one, the two, the three, whatever go to. <clears> so transportation is always a big deal. I I, I agree. And I think that there will be a little bit of a dip potentially on, like I, like you said, Rachel, mm-hmm. not on like the massively amazing, yeah. beautiful properties, but anything that's even a little bit south of that. I think we'll see just a little bit of a price correction for I think a little Uber while. And Via and all the other Correct. car right. sharing um, services are going right. to do really, really well really in well. the next Agreed. few years. Absolutely. And so there's the upside. Right. People will start doing that. Yeah. Yep. All right. So hypothetically speaking, so, you know, we traditionally sell, traditionally sell uh, most of our properties in Manhattan, although we do a lot of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. So you get a buyer, a brand new buyer who comes to the table and says, you know, Manhattan prices are just a little too high for me at the moment. Or, you know, the other, the flip side of that, you know, we're, we're exploring other opportunities in other boroughs. So somebody comes to you and says, hey, you know, guys, what about Queens or what about Brooklyn? You know, how would you kind of weigh that and say this place is better than that place? Or would you? I mean, would you make them make that decision? And what if they ask your advice because they don't really know the differences between the hotspots now in Queens or the hotspots that continue in Brooklyn? Because now we're going to throw into the mix the South Bronx because we're seeing all kinds of affordable housing going up there, luxury condos going up there. That's another component, so to speak, in our in our bag of tricks. What I've noticed is every buyer literally says, oh, I would like to do Upper West Side and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I want to do Soho and Brooklyn. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> yeah. so more and more now, um, uh, for people that don't understand how New York City works, a lot of times brokers work on Sundays on their own open houses and they're not available. So I'm sending more and more of my buyers mm-hmm. on their own to Brooklyn open houses to say, okay, go check out Kensington. Yep. Go to Bushwick. Go to Carroll Gardens. Go figure out if you want Talk that to the locals. Yes, yeah. get brunch or dinner after work, see your commute, you know, talk to the people who live there about schools and parks and crime and whatever, because we can't answer that stuff. And then come back to me. Well, I was going to ask, though, because there's quite a difference between, you know, Upper West Side in Brooklyn or Soho in Brooklyn. So does it, at least for families, and of course, when we're working with them, we can't discuss these things because of fair housing. But, you know, does it really come down to they're looking at the better schools for their kids so they'll choose a neighborhood based on a school? Mm-hmm. I find that a lot of buyers are looking, who are in that position, are looking forward to the future to prepare for schools, but it's not a deal breaker. Like, it'd be a nice thing to have. I actually just had this situation with a a new buyer of mine um, who, you know, said, ideally, I'd love to live in Turtle Bay, but I'm very intrigued by Brooklyn. <laughs> and so, well, because because of work. So and and so I, I said to them, let's work through this together. You know, let's talk about all the neighborhoods of Brooklyn. So we went through all the just the details of what makes a neighborhood: commercial tenants, developments, transportation. You know, when we talked about Brooklyn, they didn't even know about neighborhoods. And I said, well, you know, you could do the Borum which is a new development, um, you know, in Borum Hill. Um, There are just great neighborhoods that have certain things. And we went through all the details of each, and they were like, before even going, this really opened my eyes. So I like to work with someone and make it a team effort. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's sort of my approach, too. That's I was, was going to say that I do cute. think a lot of this is economic, too. So like you yeah, said, you know, so a lot of buyers come to us and they say, 
I can't find anything. There's just not enough inventory in Manhattan and the prices are too high. And so that is why we're sending them to Brooklyn in a lot of cases. And it could shift back. I mean, we're in a transitional market as we talked about and these things do go in cycles. And so if the prices in Manhattan do start to kind of peter out a little bit, we could see people coming back. And on the Upper West Side and Brooklyn thing, I get that a lot too. And I think the reason is the feel of the neighborhood of Upper West Side, mm-hmm. West Village, mm-hmm. those kind of type neighborhoody feel brown Stone blocks. Right. Parks a lot of that, exactly. A lot of that's in Brooklyn too, and maybe some in Queens. But I just I don't know Queens as well. But Brooklyn, Brooklyn Heights, you know. Parks All right, let's hold it there. We have to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. <laughs> Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. We're talking to Parul, to Rachel, to Phil, and to Matt. All right, so here's a question. Would you rather live above a hip and happening hot spot or at the corner of a block above a Dwayne Reed or Walgreens, for example? Brick Underground, here we go again. Brick Underground asked several New Yorkers, how do you think it turns out? Live in a, in a, in a <laughs> hip and happening hot spot or on the corner someplace? What is most important to, I guess, a typical New Yorker? Yeah. Number one, did you just say corner apartment? I think I'll take that first. No, and but foremost. he didn't say corner apartment. Well, buildings on the corner. I'm assuming I got the no, buildings on the corner. <laughs> buildings on the corner. I think we need to and, clarify. Yeah. So, right, right. so corner building, yeah. corner yeah. building, right. or right. above, or above a hot, uh, spot. a hot spot in the middle of a block or down an avenue, like above or a club or something. I yeah, what's a hot exactly. spot? Like above a Whole Foods. So, oh, so really, the question <laughs> comes down to wet or dry. So wet or dry. <laughs> I'm such a broker. Um, basically, <laughs> I'm the same is, thing. Right. Okay. And so you're not, as long as you're, there's no cooking, there's no, um, you know, 
It all depends on noise, noise level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think so, yes, ultimately if it's some the corner is going to win. Which is exactly, if it's yeah. a hot spot where it's going to be people noise. and noise, noise, no thank you. Right. I would rather live above the Dwayne Reed. Yeah. Uh, but if above the hot spot is pre-war, gorgeous, beautiful, you know, loft-like, and the Dwayne Reed is like a 1950s eyesore, then that would change my answer. I'd too. still go with Dwayne Reed. Okay. <laughs> I need my ice cream. To be honest, I would rather live mid-block. Uh-huh. With no commercial space. That's not a or, part of the question. I know. I'm just, just. I was just putting it, it out there. Do, now you. I think it's because it's quiet. <laughs> it goes to what Pearl said. It's quieter. But if if your building owns the commercial space, I'd be into that because it would lower your maintenance. Well, <laughs> now you hear the, the, the verdict okay. is the verdict actually is from the survey from Brick Underground over the Dwayne Reed. Yep. So I mean, again, doesn't this really come back to what our customers or how rather our customers different? Because everybody has a different requirement. Mm-hmm. I have clients who will never ever live on. On top of any retail, yep. mm-hmm. agreed. Anything, yeah. store, you know, restaurant, anything. So, and there are people who really don't care. You know, yeah. so it makes the business so fascinating, right? Because exactly. customers are so different, the buyers are so different. What they want, what they don't want. Ultimately, it comes it. down to convenience. Yeah. Because yeah. I was Duane, just going to say that. Yeah, yeah. Duane Reed is. I mean, it doesn't get more convenient than that. Right. And so, especially in the emerging markets, you have these neighborhoods where you don't want to walk three, four blocks to get. You know, basic stuff. And what do most New Yorkers pay for in the city? Convenience. Absolutely. They pay to live here for convenience. I mean, I've woken up in the morning and not had a clean razor and wish I lived closer to a CBS or a Dwayne (laughs) Reed. I'm like, thank you for sharing, Matt. (laughs) I try. (laughs) But I agree with Matt on that one. I mean, I would rather live, you know, inconspicuously in the middle of a block, no retail around me, quiet, you know, whatever. In a pre war, of course, you know, that's my like. But here's a strange, strange story. So for the last year, year a little over a year now I've been working with this couple buyers they're both entrepreneurs one's a tech entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and these guys have a limited budget and because of being entrepreneurs it's tough to get them into a co-op I have been suggesting Brooklyn for the last year to them and they will not consider Brooklyn Mm -hmm. I get that this is the craziest one to me though because I just you know it seems that these days what we're consistently seeing is I'd like to go to Soho or Brooklyn or Upper East Side in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And here are people who are like, I do not want to be off of me. They know what they want. Where are they, I where love is, it. Where are they I from? Love it. Uh, not New York City, but. That's why. Yeah. I think exactly. I find that a lot of people who are not from New York, but are from co- the continental U.S. want Have to be a thing on of the Manhattan, island. Yes. Yeah. Well, can I just make one point on that? I'll yeah. say that. Like, I totally understand that. Here's why. Like, I sometimes make the point to people, you're in the greatest city in the world, New York City, Manhattan. Why would you want to live a half an hour outside the greatest city in the world? Mm-hmm. You might as well live in the heart of the greatest city. But you not want to live in Versailles. And that's what, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. and that's what that's most people think about. Yeah. You're and absolutely I correct. So I totally understand that. I mean, I can see both sides of it, but some yeah. people, they just have to live absolutely. in Manhattan. They're only going to be here once in their life, maybe five or ten years. Why not live in the heart? Mm-hmm. Also, Why transportation. The heart, I think you know? if you work late, like really late, a lot of jobs require you to stay past That's 9 p.m. True. Some of the weekends, the trains just stop working in Brooklyn sometimes. Stop. They, they just stop. stop. They stop yeah. even in Manhattan. It's so yeah. annoying to get around <laughs> on Sundays in Manhattan. But at least you can walk if you had oh, yeah. to in Manhattan. Oh, Vince, but don't yeah. pretend like Taxi. you ever take a subway. I was like, oh, I think I heard that. So. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for that one. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Doormen and increasingly door women are arguably the most iconic personalities in New York City real estate, often playing a role that's midway between building 
security and therapist, or just busybody. Uh, they see us at our best and worst, and most uh, and most shopping addicted and takeout dependent as we venture out on our first dates and first days of school and work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they are the first people to see when we get home and begin to finally shed the armor that we don every day. You know, in our corporate world, we take the mask off, we take all the whatever off, and we are just, hey, Mister Doorman, or hey, Phil, you know, mm-hmm. how are you today? And we've talked about this before, but what really is the allure of the doorman in this city? Because I've gone on record, and I'll start it off by saying, I don't want doormen anymore. I've had them for 20 years. I'm over it. Mm-hmm. I can't I deal with those. I was going to say the same thing. I don't. I, so I've had a doorman about 10 years ago for about three years. I haven't had a doorman in the last 10, 10 years, and I like it like that. Love. I don't want a doorman. And I think the allure is safety for a lot of people. Um, maybe it is convenience, but for me, my privacy matters more. And on top of that, people do care about packages. They yeah. always ask me, is the super really full-time if there's no doorman? Right. Because I want to make sure I get my right. packages. Right. But I was just saying to Rachel that this is my favorite topic, I know, doorman. And I like, it really what? is because um, I have to say, I have a doorman, and I have for a few years. Um, and... It's funny because I I do find that a lot of, as much as New York City is the most amazing city in the world, in my opinion, I also find it sometimes the loneliest city. Mm -hmm. And there's something about having a doorman that doesn't make you as lonely. Like, take it from personal personal experience. I work so much. And because my job and my clients are my life, and I get home really late, I'll be like, hey, Ralph, how was your day? Talk to me. So oh, I do you cuddle? Of, do you cuddle a, sometimes? A little <laughs> bit. The most, like, who's the big spoon? But but no, is I, I, think that's a big, <laughs> I think that's a big thing for people. I really do. I, I would agree with you because there are people in my, in my building um, who are always downstairs talking to the doorman, especially on the weekends. You know, they're walking the dog in and out, whatever, and they'll stop at the doorman's you know, desk or whatever, and then they're just chatting away and chatting away. And I think it's for the same reason. I have my moments. You know, Sometimes I come home, and, and after you know, the a crazy cuckoo day, it's like, I'm getting to the elevator. Don't even say hello to me. But that's so funny. I'm like, don't I feel like the Grinch after what Matt had to say? <laughs> You know, and it, you know, and some days I'm like, hey, you know, and then, but, but they get a little too nosy and they get a little too in your business and it's, you know, they, it they really look at you and the they know your man. lifestyle. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, it really can go either way. I've, I've met the most wonderful doormen who kind of don't talk a lot and just do their job and, and very simply just, just stay out of your business. Correct. And then it's the complete antithesis. I grew up with a doorman, by the way. So I did not feel more secure with my doorman because I knew too much about him. And Great you babe. become friends with your doorman. So I would hang out with him until three in the morning. And it, you know, when you walk in the building and the doorman looks at you and says, ooh, la, la. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, come on now, you know, knock it off. It's kind of what are you alluding to? It's kind of like a massage therapist telling you you have a really <clears throat> nice body after the massage. You just <laughs> kind of feel icky. Yeah. It's like you don't want inappropriate. That. But there is a technical yeah. way that buyers nice look at doorman. <laughs> Should we talk about the technical way that yeah. buyers look at doorman? Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely adds to your maintenance costs yes. in a building. Yes. And you have to give them tips at mm-hmm. holiday time, right. which are not small tips. No, they're I not. I mean, holiday becomes you know, very expensive. I have like 10 doormen mm. in my building, and of course I have like my top three. 
but best of both worlds is a yeah. living super. That mm, to agreed. me is 100%. the best. That's and that's what, what I, I want. Have now. I like a virtual doorman yeah. where there's cyber a cyber doorman. Is the virtual doorman talk to you? My next you, place is going to absolutely is he friendly. No yes, you can actually have a conversation over the video. That's com. what I want. There you go. Yeah, okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, let, let, let's move on. So here's a question. I have good credit, cash for the down payment, and a good job, but relatively low income. Okay, good credit, cash for the down payment, a good job, but relatively low income. Do I still run the risk of being rejected by a co-op board? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Huge mm-hmm. risk yeah. because one of the major criteria is you, they look at your what's called your debt-to-income ratio. Your debt being your future maintenance and mortgage and any other debt you have divided by what your monthly income is. Mm-hmm. And if your monthly income is low, that means that that ratio will probably be <clears throat> below, well, above mm-hmm. 35%, 40%. And, and if, you're, if you're above 30%, it's going to get kind of tough. Yeah. Impossible. I, yeah. I do feel, though, that co-ops are getting a little more lenient to allow for higher prices in the building. Um, I just had two recent deals where I was not incredibly confident that my buyer had the perfect qualifications, for example, for the DTI ratio. You know, they were on that cusp of the 30%. And the listing broker was very, very confident about it. You know, they were on the board. They really thought that the rest of their credentials would be strong. And they passed. Mm-hmm. So I, I so I do think that they're getting a little more lenient depending on where they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously. Well, I have a co-op on the Upper East Side and, and we're, I'm getting a <clears throat> lot of single females, older single females <clears throat> who are buying all cash with very low income. So in that case, really what you have to show the board is you can pay the maintenance and just do two years of your liquid, right? after closing of just the maintenance. So you take that maintenance, that monthly maintenance amount, and you times it by 24, and that's the amount of liquidity that you need. And if you can prove that, then it should be fine if you're living on Social Security or something like Shane, dividends or something. Shane and I have yeah. a rental uh, on the market in one of our buildings, and the, the, the it's a studio, so 2450. And here's this real crafty renter came along last night and sent me an email Saw it at an open house on Sunday. I want the apartment. So he says, I'm offering $2,000. And when I looked at his income or whatever else, he was smart enough to realize he couldn't afford, he couldn't make the math the 40 times at $2,450, but he could do it at $2,000. So he comes to me and he says, I want the apartment at $2,000. Please make this happen for me because this is the only way I can make the math work. And I, I sent him back an email saying, are you kidding? Exclamation point. <laughs> Are you kidding? $450 off because your math will then work? <laughs> this does not work this way. <laughs> going going back on what Rachel said, though, I, I do, you know, the two years post-closing, I think is a really important thing as well because I find one of my coworkers actually just had a situation where his buyer got board approved, but contingent on putting money in escrow. And I have found that I think a lot of boards don't want to be known for turning people down. And they don't want to be that building. So I think that they're trying to find any way possible to approve someone, even if it's asking for escrow. And I think that's a way around the, you know, any, if there's a variance in your debt-to-income ratio, if there's a variance in your post-closing, I think that's a way around Or a guarantor. So I had a a co-op in Riverdale. Riverdale, who, and my clients are so qualified. Under $200,000 for this apartment. They asked for a guarantor and escrow. Oh my gosh. Really? It's unbelievable. Did your buyers close? We're still, it's been weeks now, and Uh, now we're getting the seller to pay the the one year, and they drop the guarantor. So that's where we're getting somewhere. But in the meantime, their interest rate expired. 
Mm-hmm. So who gets to pay that? And it's a big mess. <clears throat> we have less than a minute to go to the next second, to the next commercial. But quick question: In this transitional marketplace that we're in, speaking of co-ops, are they a little more flexible with approving people when the market is a little softer, or do they stick to their rules and stick to their guns regardless of Good the market? I, I find most of them still kind of have their rules, but they try to work with you. I mean, that's just what it seems like. I mean, look, th- every board's different. Some of them will have the actual rules. Here's the rules; it doesn't matter. Other ones. Matt was talking about a little more flexibility. I think a lot of it does depend on the co-op board. You know, a lot of these rules is we, you know, it's the brokers and the owners uh, of the selling brokers and the owners that say we don't want the risk of putting your application forward because you may get rejected. A lot of times the boards are a lot more lenient than what we think, but we can't take the risk. And I, I, yeah. I, oh, and no. I find that also having the seller know the board, having a relationship with right. the board, or being on the board or formally on the board is. It changes everything, and I love when that happens because it's pretty much 100% it's All right, let's hold it right there. We have to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back with Peru Rombat from Compass, Rachel Altshuler from Douglas Elliman, uh, Phil Horrigan from LeaseBreak.com, and Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate. All right, let's say you have an elderly family member living in that most coveted of New York spaces, the rent-regulated unit. When they vacate the apartment, whether they pass away, move into assisted living, or head for milder climates down south or wherever, it's understandable that you may want to swoop in and take over the lease as a family member. <clears throat> but most likely, everything else in New. But like everything else in New York, inheriting a stabilized or rent-controlled apartment isn't straightforward. Succession rights, which dictate your ability to be named the new leaseholder uh, in a relative's regulated unit, are dependent upon rigid and sometimes complex set of rules. Let's talk about that for a little bit because people don't really understand how we rent apartments here in New York City. We've got three different types of rent, rent control, rent stabilized, and free market or open market rent. Most every place else in the country and in the world, it's just open rent. So, um, Phil, help us out here a little bit. 
to understand why this be- can become so complex when a grandmother who's lived mm-hmm. in an apartment for 50 years and, and is paying $2,000 a month, maybe $1,500 a month, and you want to take it over as a grandson while well, you can't mm-hmm. so easily. Yeah, uh, the rules can be complicated because um, don't forget the landlords, the last thing they want is for the grandson to take it over. I mean, literally the last thing they want. They've been waiting for this grandmother to leave, to pass away to something for a very long time. So, um, now I don't want to misstate the rules, but there's something like, and Vince, you can maybe help me, and these rules do change too, so I don't want to state it incorrectly. The grandson would have to live there for a certain amount of time. Two years. Two Two years. years. I thought it was two years before um, he could take it over. So, if the grandmother passes away or something happens, they're going to first say, if the grandson wants to take it over, they're going to first say, okay, how long was that grandson living there? And by the way, prove it. I mean, this isn't just the mail uh, has to be sent. There are things that the mail where your uh, where your license is registered, I mean, and oftentimes the, the the grandson, just to use an example, mm. will pay the rent with his own check. That is that's exactly to show that right. he's living in the right. apartment right. Right. full time. Yeah. And on the other side of this, there are landlords that spend. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars on attorneys, on private investigators. Mm-hmm. They'll have cameras set up mm-hmm. to see how long did this grandson really live there? Did they really go, did this grandson really go into the apartment every day? I mean, the amount of money that's spent to counterbalance, you know, um, th- this kind of thing. So you have to really be careful, know the rules, and make sure you know them well in advance. And not to make light of the situation because it can become very tense and very complex, as, as you all say, but this is the greatest inheritance of a lifetime if you are in a situation where you can inherit an elderly family member's apartment mm-hmm. under the right rules, whatever, because, I mean, it's better than getting you know thousands of dollars in, in, in cash rewards because you know rents in this town are increasingly uh, high and, and, and going no place up uh, else but up. So if you, you can get a, a rent controlled apartment wow that's like that's really like hitting the lottery but you know there's also drawbacks and we're going to talk about you know the whole rental market in in a couple of episodes coming up where you know you can maybe inherit some of these apartments but you really can't do any work inside the apartment so the the trade-off is you get a great rent you get a great apartment potentially Mm -hmm. in a great building but you're living in an apartment that hasn't been renovated in 40 or 50 years and the building won't let you do so. So that's the trade-off. And if people are okay with that, you know, that's fine. So anyway, we're going to get more into that at a later show. Anyway, it is no longer going to, oh, him, I love this story. It is no longer going to be a struggle to communicate with your cab driver through a plastic screen or a hassle to exchange (laughs) cash under it. The city's taxi and limousine commission, the TLC, has decided to do away with those partitions altogether. This according to the New York Post recently. The measure comes in light of increasing competition from Uber, and officials at the TLC hope that the measure will help cab drivers get better tips. Okay, try that <laughs> one on. Cab partitions were created as a safety measure for drivers back in 1994 when the crime rate here in the city was still soaring, uh, but now cab drivers have been asked to install a security camera instead. So just set the scene for those of you outside of New York City who haven't been in a cab. There's a plastic shield between the front seat and the back seat to protect the driver in, in the old days when there was a lot of crime here in New York City. Uh, now they are petitioning to take them away, and so you're going to be able to touch the driver or speak to him, you know, whatever, freely. Uh, I have many thoughts on this, but I'd like to ask what your <laughs> thoughts are. Can we just say first that I love that the Taxi and Limousine Commission is TLC. Yeah. As yeah, real know, estate brokers, TLC. Yeah, 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 TLC. I just love that. That was my favorite thing. They chase waterfalls. <laughs> 
Hey, <laughs> I was more thinking about the, the yeah. TV network, yeah. but okay, we can go that Twitter. way too. We can go there too. <laughs> I, it's interesting. Yesterday I thought of you, Vince, or no, two days ago, I was in a cab and the guy, the driver was yelling mm-hmm. or talking really loud to a family member mm-hmm. on speakerphone. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, how could you do that? I would never, ever, like, can you imagine being on the phone talking to a family member when you're with a buyer? Like, you just wouldn't ever, ever do that. So I closed the partition, and he kind of got the hint, and then he got off the phone. So without that partition, I'm thinking, I'm going to just have to say, excuse me, sir, can you get off your phone? <laughs> and Actually, it's what, what's the- ringing to me is camera. I don't know. I don't know about that because, I mean, if you're trying to be competitive with like Uber or whatever else, then yes, number one, please get off your phone. Yeah. And number two, um, I don't know if a camera is going to make anybody feel a little better served by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> I can go on. I'm going to write a book on taxis. You have the best my, stories. My New York City taxi situations, you know, 20. 34 years in this town. Anyway, so, I don't know, six months ago, five months ago, I'm downtown in the village having dinner with a friend. And so we're leaving to to go, and I was going to drop him off midtown, and I was going to go further up to the Upper West Side where I live. And so this cab driver pulls up, and, he, and he, he's visibly like all, you know, fishtummeled or whatever. <laughs> so he looks, he looks in the mirror, the and, he, and he just says— the two of us got in. Two guys get in the car and he says, and I hope you're not going to have sex in my back seat. And I said, <gasps> oh. Uh-oh. I looked at him and I what? said, what? Wow. What just what happened? Time That's of a day little was inappropriate. Wait, what time of day was this? Night, nighttime, 11 o'clock at night or whatever. But not like four in the morning. No. But oh apparently God. the couple that just got out of the car before me <laughs> were going at it in the back seat. And oh. he said, you know, I'm not going to deal with this again. You know, wild nights in the village. I said, we're friends. That is not going to happen. And it's certainly not going to happen in a taxi cab. Okay? Especially now that you said it. But now that you, now that you mentioned it, I always was attracted to my friends. So. Also, like, the, best, the best part about a partition, I think we can all agree, is being able to press a button and have the partition closed. You can't even do that you in a cab. You have to actually it's, push it. It's WD-40, not as fun. So yeah, like, right? Oh. You know what? I think you bring up a good point. So they don't need to take down the partition. They just have to make it into to a limo partition where we get right. to choose exactly. whether it goes up or not and I, they can to afford so we can all kind of feel like celebrities so exactly. exactly I like it I like that <laughs> Uber is, doesn't have the partition but it's relaxing it's and relaxing. wonderful so that goes to show you that it's really not about the partition at all it's really about doing your job just like doorman don't circling build it walls, back to doorman don't build walls. if you're a driver if you're a doorman if you're a broker just do your job be professional don't get in someone's business exactly don't talk to a family member don't you know start gossiping it's it's all about being professional and my favorite part about Ubers if they want to change taxis are the hors d'oeuvres <laughs> have you ever gone to an Uber and they say oh yeah and, and there's you know there's some candies in the middle there yeah. for you I want I, bottle of water I, I, one time, bottle one of water time all they, the time one time they I had a thing of mangoes. Mango? Mango. And I, I, I sat there thinking, hmm. I don't know if those are the right, those are the right things to have in a new Taking product. it a little too far, don't you think? A little bit. Just a little too squishy. I'm not going to touch yeah, the mango in the morning. I don't know. You know, listen. It, Almonds would work better. Right? Yeah, they last thank longer. You. Like a little protein get up. <laughs> you know what? The, the, the camera, now that I think about it, I, I do think is going to help because it's going to act as a deterrent. If you're a cab driver yeah. and you know that you're being filmed, right? Maybe you... 
won't be as rude to your passenger. Maybe you won't be on the phone. But what about the guy or the girl was picking his nose while they're looking at their phone and doing their thing? I mean, I agree with Pearl. I'm kind of like, I don't know about that camera situation. Is it's it a live camera? It's not a live feed, feed, is it? Like, what if <laughs> I, I want to be on the phone with a client and it's getting filmed? It's kind of you know? an invasion of privacy. Yeah, well, there you go. I didn't even think me. of that one. Yeah. But okay. there's cameras everywhere. There's cameras on the streets and the trains. And, and no I feel like they're not going to put it on Stop the news. Stop it. Don't no tell me these things on YouTube. In your elevator <laughs> on the way really home. All right. We got to stop there. This is Good Morning New York for today. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. You can catch the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com or at vincerocco.com. For all of us here at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us and have a great day, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.